Whether you keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs, these are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. Reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And I'm Rob, and I'm creeping it real. And we're in a different space. We are. I like we're, the lighting here a lot better. Yeah, it is much better. We're literally so right nicer. next to where we usually record, and uh, mainly it's because I got this cool couch. Hey. So uh, we're using this couch in a different space, so yeah. I like it. Yeah, it doesn't look like we're in a morgue or a freezer <laughs> anymore, because that's... Dude, that was that was terrible i i did a i did a live stream a while back with uh with like billy and and a bunch of other people and billy was like why does it look like you're inside a freezer and i was like i don't know i am <laughs> yeah it was pretty intense but um dude i'm pretty stoked about this show dude this is like a very cool and interesting show for me um, yeah. because the guest that we have on tonight is actually someone who i've known for a really long time and one of the people who helped like pushed me to get into reptiles like and and education with reptiles which is like super cool super super cool hell yeah um so jeremy are you are you excited i'm super excited okay so tonight we have uh mike Rabalski, and he's the herpetologist and curator at rainforest reptile shows and rrs oasis and i'm super hey, pumped to have him on tonight let's get him on let's here. get him right on here hey Bam! man how's What's it going up, dude? how are you guys Dude, We're doing great, man. I am so excited to have you on tonight. I like that couch. I wish I had one here. I'm sitting on a, a hard chair here. <laughs> <laughs> got to do what you got to do, you know? That's, that's that's it. It. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, for the last 50-something episodes, Rob has been sitting on a bucket with yeah. sound foam. They're not nice. supposed <laughs> to know that, Jeremy. Well, now they can because we upgraded. Nice. Oh, my god. put a few rocks in that thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness uh, okay so good times mike for people who might not know who you are yep. um you, you've kind of been a staple in new england as someone who does education and not just new england but 29 years wow man that and, and he i did had one of my birthday programs that. yeah he did one of my <laughs> birthday programs when i was like eight years old or nine years old that's crazy yep. which is wild because i was like yeah, look what you started look what you mike. started now hey Jeez. That's why I'm in this. <laughs> That's why I'm here. See, I was I was a little bit into reptiles before I saw his program, and I didn't know anyone who had like exotic snakes. Like I, one of my yeah. mom's friends' kids had a, a garter snake, but that was like it. And then the local pet store had like a berm, but that was it. And yep. then he comes, and I was like, "Oh my goodness! Look <laughs> at all these things. They're amazing." Yeah, but back then I was probably lecturing with a box turtle, uh, a Gulf Coast box turtle. Uh, a rat snake or, uh, you know, the alligator was there, but still yeah. it was, and it was different back it was like then. A, your big snake was like a boa or something. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a boa. My, my dad had to leave for that program because my dad's still <laughs> terrified of snakes. And it's so funny because like we told you, like, look, my dad's leaving. He's going to come back when the show's over, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's afraid of snakes. Blah, blah. Your mom and sat so, in the front row with you. Oh yeah. Yes, she did. And so when you were packing up, when you were leaving, my dad was just pulling into the, the driveway as he's heading out with the last box. And so my mom, me and my mom are standing on the stairs and uh, Mike is bringing the last box out and he goes uh, to my mom. Hey, if you find that big snake that I lost, make sure that you give me a call. And my dad was like, Oh no. 
Oh, man. I still do that today, Rob. <laughs> that would never oh. get old, like Gatorade. <laughs> so I for, love the, it. for the people who might not know uh, who you are or what your background is, what kind of really got you started into doing reptiles? And, and I want to ask specifically for me, what specifically got you into education and doing outreach with reptiles with the public? Well, you know, at a young age, and, and I have to tell you this story really quick, at a young age, I'm an Air Force brat and, and, and we would travel all over the world and it was incredible experience, although I never stayed in one place very long except for Florida and um, incredible, incredible experience. But let me tell you what got me started. I was probably I was in third grade. OK, and even even younger than that. But third grade, we're in Oklahoma. They have these really cool lizards, Texas horn lizards, horny toads, we used to call them, mm-hmm. right? And they're adults and small ones and big ones. And we lived in a trailer park off base, about mm-hmm. 15 miles off base. And we were just in the middle of a cow pasture, for God's sakes. <laughs> and it was trampled in the cars. You know, we rode our bikes. We had the bikes with the banana seats and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. yeah and, and we're riding our Schwins around. And, you know, we stop and there's a lizard running across the dirt. And sitting in a red ant, uh, a red ant uh, hill, and uh, you know we go and capture them and bring them in the house and play with them. And that's not just turtles and other kinds of fence lizards and things like that in Oklahoma. There were things everywhere, and so I was kind of like, "This is very cool." Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's hell awesome. yeah. Before that, we were in different places. You know, Florida, my home in St. Augustine. So it was different, but you know, the most. The coolest experience was is what's really started it for me was having that animal in the house on my mother's expensive white bedspread, the old ones with the little beads on them. Oh, yes. <laughs> and the two, the two lizards doing this back and forth, like getting together like that. And <laughs> man, you know what their defense is, right? Oh, yeah. They, they blood. spray blood. Mm-hmm. Out of the corners of their eyes, out of those, out of those <laughs> membranes, and man, that bedspread, that white bedspread was. Oh no! <laughs> it was covered. Oh covered no! Oh man! Yeah, that my mother. We had probably a dozen animals in the house. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Everybody out!" <laughs> oh no! So we got moved. We got moved to the shed. Oh, but, uh, hey, at least you got the shed. But, hey, that's all I'm saying. That's yeah, funny. but a couple weeks later, we were back in the house. <laughs> <laughs> she forgot. Oh, really quick. That's awesome. <laughs> when yeah. I uh, when I went but to Arizona, I mean, I that's found how I got those. started. I, I've always my parents always love nature. I love nature. It's it's not when and and the education part of it just come naturally working for the alligator farm as, as a keeper and then an operations manager and, and just, you know, educating people, uh, you know, helping uh, Greg LaPera, who was at the alligator farm, then writing scripts and different kinds of things to do programming and that it just kind of went hand in hand. And then doing the research with the University of Florida um, with Dr. Ket Vliet and, and uh, Walter Offenberg, who did, who wrote the book Komodo Dragon at first, yeah. and, you know, and just, knowing him and meeting those guys and uh uh who's the other one uh 
the guy that invented the Nautilus bodybuilding machines um, had Gomek, the largest mm-hmm. crocodile in the world there, shipped wow. him in on Flying Tiger Airways to his place in Ocala, Florida. I'll think of his name in a minute. Um, but, you know, just experiences like that just drove me to this kind of education and me wanting to give the kids the same kind of experience that I got, like you got, Rob, in your show, you know? Mm-hmm. My enthusiasm just, I'm going to turn 62 this year and I'm not stopping. There's no way. I'm never stopping. Hell yeah. They're going to, they're going to take me out in a, they're going to have to have an alligator turn me out. So (laughs) no, no way. I'm not stopping. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I just think about when, um, when I was younger and, and doing like just getting started off doing programs and people were just like, oh my goodness, you know, so much. And, you know, compared to the regular person, I knew quite a bit and there was still so much for me to learn. Um, But just being able to share with other people why I get excited about reptiles, it goes so far because when people don't have any like frame of reference for why they should appreciate something, they're probably not going to appreciate it. And they feed off your passion, the passion that, that you have and the passion that you put across in the show is is extremely important. And most people don't realize that they're very monotone. They don't raise their voice. They don't lower their voice. And that makes everything correct. Yeah. 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 Getting exciting with excited with the kids and getting right down on the floor with them and doing those kinds of things. You're, you're, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. It's something special when you can let a kid pet their first snake and you can just see them go, yeah, their mind is just like that is not what I was expecting that to right. feel like. Yeah, and just you know, asking them what they're experiencing, like well, that's one of my things I like to do is like, so what does it feel like, or, or like what are you feeling right now, and trying to get mm-hmm. them to express what's going on in their head, so you can get a better feel for how you can help kind of push them to that next level. You know, sure. Yeah, and I mean, you know, of course, during COVID we didn't do anything, mm-hmm. but you know. It, it it we're still trying to educate on zoom and things like that and do those kind of things but i'm glad this is almost over with because as well as you are i want to get back out there just like you do yeah. i don't I, you know and, and we have been i've been in connecticut i've been in uh in rhode island i've been up to uh, vermont so we are starting to get back out there but it's mm-hmm. taking time to do that stuff yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I um I'm super excited to have in person programs. I actually just did a Zoom program the other day for this library. I did a pro I've been doing programs for them for the last this is the third year in a row that I've been doing this for them now. And they've got slowly getting a bigger and a bigger and a bigger group of, of kids who are coming to it <laughs> yeah. because uh, they're just like kind of, you know, the moms will tell each other. And then, you know, the kids come back and they want to see some of the animals that they saw last year and everything. And it's been so cool because when I first heard about the Zoom programs, I was like, kids are not going to be into it. They are just not going to care. It's going to be like watching another YouTube video or another thing on their TV. They're just going to gloss over their not gonna care at all and what i found is that when i do the programs man the kids are just as into it as if i was there i mean i would like them to be able to touch things but the kids are still like oh my god look at the corn snake look at you know the ball pythons (laughs) they they love it but when i was up there the other day i was like look at that ball python that red ball python look at the color in that thing (laughs) (laughs) i still have that enthusiasm too (laughs) hell yeah hell yeah yeah i was so i teach 
um, every Monday I teach music. Um, I, that's what I did before I, I started working here at Nervous. I was teaching music full time. So I have a residency at my old high school um, down in Western Mass. And uh, one week, the the band director had asked, he's like, you know, we want to try to do something to kind of get the kids just a little more like energized and just because it's boring sitting on Zoom six hours a day in school, whatever. Yeah. He's like, do you think you could show some of your snakes? And I was like, hell oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely. Yeah. So, but the right. best part was like, we have there's one class every week that's 65 kids in one what? zoom meeting yeah wow. it's ridiculous right. so you know and it's uh it's a mixed population of of uh general education students special education students and a whole bunch so there's not a lot of interaction that generally happens between the students man i tell you when i walked into my snake room the amount of like reaction emojis and kids that turned on their cameras because they were like <laughs> what the hell is going on right yeah. now right yeah <laughs> Like, I and, thought this and guy was just no, keep playing trumpet. <laughs> yeah, the excitement, the excitement is out there. And you know, I noticed in just the shows that we've done recently in the past few weeks that the kids are they're pretty wound up. Yeah. They've been, they've been cooped up a long time. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be patient. You gotta, you know, yeah. you just can't say sit there. They're up, they're down, they're all around. And you know, I just take the animals down on the floor and just put it on the ground with them and let them touch it and talk about it and, you know, make sure they're safe. And it's just been such a whirlwind. It's, yeah. I, you know, I just, I'm just glad, you know, you know what I did during COVID, right? What's that? Start working on a farm, right? I was working on a farm. Yep. Ah. <laughs> yeah. I, the Davis, Davis farmland out there, they have all the animal, the endangered farm animals and I'm taking care of Highland cows and Quatu and, and Jacob sheep and all this other llamas. Oh, that's awesome. You know, all this other stuff, not doing what I love to do, left my manager, my, my facility manager here and my wife to take care of everything. And we have 70 venomous snakes. And most of those, I would say almost half of those animals are cobras. Oh, so wow. They're taking care of the monocles, the forest and all that. I mean, I would come back on a weekend when I had a day off and mm -hmm. do the really, really aggressive ones like the Mamba and For stuff us. like that. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, they, they really did a great job in holding us to our standards, you know, where we were and, and our cleanliness. And I can't say enough good about them, both Kristen and, and Joni. They did a fantastic job of helping us and our volunteers from Cat to, um, you know, down to Mike, um, who comes in and helps us. They they were right behind us the whole time. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Big shout out to all those all those people because you know a lot of people don't realize that uh, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that not everyone gets to see to make these right. cool things happen. And right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, they see can... they see us out there educating Rob, but they don't and, and they don't see what happens with this animal you know when it's in its cage and it's you know 
Indigos are probably the messiest snakes. In, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, indigos are the messiest snakes in the world. I mean, <laughs> when they crap, it's everywhere. Yeah. 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 So, so for the people who are listening on audio, if you're not watching on YouTube, by the way, you should check out our YouTube. Uh, you should. Jeremy's got re- live recordings of these episodes. But if you're listening to the recording of this uh, just on your audio, uh, Mike is holding this beautiful oh. Eastern indigo. And man, that is such an incredible snake. She's it looks like it's what, like about six feet long. She's almost seven, but she seven, is about, yeah. she's about six feet long, and she's nice. just beautiful. Oh, um, it's an, an animal that came from law enforcement, and you know, unfortunately, it was in a bad. It, I don't think it was really in a bad situation, but there was no licensing for the animal. Yeah. Mm. So uh, that's that's the tough part with the eastern indigos is that uh, you know if you don't have that, that you know proper licensing for them it's no point right. you can't document where it came yeah, from it might and come it's from a, fe- a sketchy it's spot federal, it's federal animal just yep. because of the law but yeah um, you know, it's one of the most gorgeous animals you've ever come across I mean mm-hmm. my favorite snake in the world is the eastern indigo I just you know you love those blood pythons and the uh, uh, the scrubs <laughs> the and scrubs that. yeah. I, 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 these guys are just awesome. You know, uh, I mean, I'm never going to get another one because I'm not going to go through purchase the process. I'm not gonna yeah. go, you know, to, you know, they're never going to come out of the wild, even though they are in a comeback, but it's just not, not going to happen. Yeah. 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 I know a couple of people who are breeding the, um, the Easterns and they've got all their permits and everything. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was a process to get those permits. Oh, yeah. yeah. U.S. Fish and Wildlife is not an easy process. No, yeah, no, not <laughs> at all. It, it was when I went to get those injurious permits when we needed those. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to think about it, and you know, and and my main thing is, I I want everyone to own an animal, and mm-hmm. I I don't care if it's if it's a crocodile and you have the expertise to take care of it, so be it. But we shouldn't be doing it in our backyard with a crocodile or an yeah, alligator. For real, yeah. You know, we should have. And they should have the proper licenses. That's all I care about. I just, you know, I think everybody should be able to have an animal, educate with it, or, you know, have it as they want it and take care of it properly. And that's where, you know, a lot of this stuff doesn't transmit to some of what's going on in the trade today. The laws that are being enacted against us, you know, about education and you know, pretty soon we may not be able to, we may only have to do it on like we're talking here, you know, and yeah. describing the animal on online or, or pictures, you know, Zoom or something like that. And that's right. not good for kids. It's not no. good for building our future biologists, herpetologists, archaeologists. It's not good for that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's kind of what the, uh, the HSUS has kind of been playing to is, you know, don't let people interact with these things because when you don't have any association with some, something, you just go, Oh, who cares about it? And you don't, you don't, right. Right. you don't want to protect it. Right. You and, what want, you touching, and what touching an animal does, and I don't care if it's a cat, a dog, a hamster, a gerbil, or a snake. I don't care what it is. When a kid touches that animal, there's an immediate, immediate love and appreciation for the animal and yeah. the habitat that it lives in. Because exactly. you're going to protect more habitat by that child touching that animal than you ever will by going to the legislature and say, protect this 100 acres of, of, of forest and swamp. It's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah, or, or yeah. put timber rattlesnakes in the quabbin and then people right. say that they're going to – 
fiasco that was. That was so ridiculous. Oh, my God. It, and they've been there for a hundred years. Yeah. You know, but it's not like they're not the, there. They're going to drink the water, Mike, and that, that the venom is going to get into the water. And, and <laughs> But I... But, but oh my gosh, and rattlesnakes can swim crazy distances. I don't think people have ever heard of Giardia or stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so ridiculous. Yeah. So ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but that's what happens when people don't have any interaction with these animals. One of the things that I like to do on yeah. the programs that I do at Nerd is um, when we talk about venomous reptiles, I like to you know ask people if they know what kind of venomous snakes live in our, our native area. Right. Um, and then ask them if they uh, if know a little bit of history about that because like one of the first symbols for the United States was the Gadsden flag with the rattlesnake coiled up on it. says, don't right. tread on don't me. Tread on me. Yep. And Benjamin Franklin wrote a, I think it was a two-page article on why he thought the timber <laughs> rattlesnake should be the creature that represents the United States because they don't go out of their way looking for a fight. They stand their ground, um, but if you mess with them, they are highly toxic, and and you know they can cause you a great deal of pain. Yep. And and when people kind of sit there and they think about it, and they go, "Oh, well, you know, I didn't really think about it like that." And you're like, "Oh, well, you know how a rattlesnake has a rattle on it?" And they're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Why do you think it has a rattle?" To say, "Hey, don't step on me. I'm right here." It lets you yeah. know, "Hey, I'm real loud. <laughs> I'm right here. Leave me." You alone. know, and it probably came from being out west in the prairies and things like that, and that 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 adaptation probably came from you know not wanting to be stepped on by a herd of buffalo or exactly. something like that you know mm -hmm. antelope or whatever it might have been you know who knows how where or why that adaptation came about but mm -hmm. it's certainly there are theories out there but certainly you know it has to be a reason like that because it's it's just a warning not to step on me and 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 that so exactly yeah. and then when you kind of like you know hand that to people and you go hey look this just think about it and like think about why you know a rattlesnake doesn't want to get stepped on no snake wants to get stepped no. on and so if they can let you know hey i'm right here you're probably going to go wow look at that loud snake over there i'm going to go this way i'm going to yeah. go the opposite <laughs> way <laughs> and it gives every you know every animal the opportunity to just leave them alone and that's right. kind of what they want they don't want to mess yeah. with us we don't want to mess with them and as long as you you know keep your breath then you're good yeah, yeah. that's absolutely right yep so you do have um, quite a few venomous snakes there. Um, and most of those have come from like seizures, people keeping them illegally, not having permits to keep All them. Of and then, them. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you see that there's any sort of like trends that come in with uh, like <laughs> I the can species? tell you what's being sold in the pet trade just by what we have. Yep. <laughs> um, you, you know, and it's, it, you know, and I joke about it, but, you know, I, honestly, I hope someday that I don't have to do this, yeah. but it's something that we got into many years ago. Uh, we had a Cobra loose in Stoneham, Massachusetts, a uh, gentleman named, I can't remember his last name, but it, uh, he changed his name to Anthony Ferrari, um, mm -hmm. lived next to the Robin hood school, had an Egyptian banded Cobra and let that animal go. And it got into the school, caused a huge panic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the environmental police called us. Dr. French called us from down here. He says, we need someone to come and do this. And I said, well, who's your expert? And he said, you are. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I'd been in the state more than a couple years, three, four years. And yeah. I really, we didn't really have, you know, only a show reputation and not that. But we went in there and we briefed everybody and I trained the officers and, you know, about 
about two weeks later, I get a phone call and I'm being escorted by the state police down the highway to the school to get this animal um, wow. it, you know, it under control. So Jeez. it does happen and it's unfortunate, but there are people like you and I and, and, and Jeremy and, and Kevin and people like that out here that care enough not to kill the animals, yeah. but yeah. to save them and to educate people why this happened and we don't want it to happen again. And we certainly don't want people owning animals that they shouldn't have, you know? So it's just, it, 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 it gets, it, and we're riding a very fine line, Rob, you know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we ride, a, we as a company ride a very fine line. Um, and it's difficult because, you know, sometimes I think, well, why can't they own a monitor lizard in Massachusetts? Right. <laughs> You know, we've got permits for them now. Right. And and now now you can get permits for them fairly easy. It's it's not a difficult thing, but it's still it's still, you know, a process. So a lot of people a lot of people don't want to do that process. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that it's it's interesting to see how the different states handle things and and which states kind of get it right in some respects, and then some states that you know probably are kind of slacking in other respects. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, I I wish that more places looked at things kind of rationally because I get people all the time who come to our store and they're like, uh, Oh, like I want to get a reticulated Python. I live in Massachusetts. And I'm like, well, you can't have them. And they go, well, if it gets out, is it going to live? And I'm like, well, well, no, it's not going to live. And they're like, Oh, is it going to kill me? And I'm like, eh, probably not. But <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, you know, state, states have different criteria. They work by it depends on the state you're in. One yeah. of the criteria here, is it dangerous to man? Is a reticulated Python dangerous to man? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okay, if it's 15 feet and it's aggressive, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Okay. Uh, and that's, you know, a lot of that is not, it, it was, you know, back then it was thought out. But today we need to re, we need to look at what we're doing now today. Yeah. And, I wish yeah. more states would reconsider, you know, just to take a, come back and look at things again um, and see where we're at compared to, because mass just changed a, a few years ago to allow green tree pythons and to allow chameleons and uh, emerald tree boas and stuff like that. And it, it, they kind of changed because back in the day, I remember when I was applying for my permits for chameleons, they were saying, oh, all chameleons are wild caught. No one's breeding chameleons. They can't keep them alive in captivity. And, you know, this, this, and this, and this, and this. And a lot of those things have changed now where um, right. most of yeah. the chameleons that are bought and sold in the United States are produced here in the United States, uh, especially for, like, panther chameleons and veiled chameleons and Jackson's chameleons. Right. And then, um, you know, we've come leaps and bounds away from from the care that they used to have back then. You know, <laughs> you know right? Difficulty difficulty of care doesn't really apply anymore. Yeah, we, yeah. We, have, we have really good care for animals, and and you know, yeah. and the resources to gain that knowledge are are so much more available. I mean, if you yes. if you, if you could look around me here, I'm surrounded by bookcases. Yes. Uh, you know, my display cases are behind me, but my bookcases are to the sides and they're chucked full of every book you could possibly think of. And this is just part of it. My library at home is massive. Mm-hmm. That's um, awesome. I, I mean, I just read every book I can possibly get. And I like to see people buying those kinds of things and, and reading. Yeah. And, and There's lots of great information out there on animals, period. Yeah, 100%. Yep. 100%. 
Yeah, and, and Rob, Rob and I certainly talk have talked a lot on the, on the podcast just about like, you know, the the nice thing about social media is uh, if you're interested in in learning more about a certain species, you know, there are Facebook groups, and, and you know, depending on what you're looking at, sometimes you can even talk directly to the people that may have first worked with them. Yeah, you know, or the people yeah. that are working with them currently, and you can get not just the the notated information from a book but you can get some some real life experience that somebody's had working with those animals you know when before it was like well i hope i run into that one guy from southern california while i'm all the way here in new england <laughs> right right now you can do that yeah exactly online you can do that my son my son took a job uh, with brevard zoo recently within the past oh. two years and he's now going to be promoted to a venomous supervisor. And then he's going to go to awesome. Croc School at St. Augustine where I learned my trade. You know, That's so awesome. it's very cool to have one, at least one of my five uh, <laughs> <laughs> following in my footsteps and doing what I want. Although I love him here. He really needs that experience out there. And to get that real world experience is huge. You know, yeah, it's yeah, one thing to sure. learn, you know, from the your family who you spent every day with growing up and, and doing this every single day. Um, and then you might learn something from how a different place does it a little mm. bit, you know, better than you might learn it from your own family. Just because the way you absorb information and stuff like that. I'll yeah. say that um, when I did programs with my mom, you know, we definitely had ways that we did things and information that we uh, utilized and, and gave out. But from going to programs with other people and watching other people do programs and then doing it at other facilities, I've learned so much um, that I probably wouldn't have learned just by staying and doing my own thing, you know, back, yeah. back where I was at. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, you have so many great experiences out there with people. And <laughs> although I do come home and, and I got, I have to decompress. Yeah. You know, I have yeah. to, I have to, <laughs> I have to kind of go, okay, don't bother me anymore. Leave me alone, <laughs> for, five, leave me alone for five minutes. Yeah. You know, and most of that is Boston traffic. <laughs> oh, I don't know yeah. how you do it because, oh, oh my goodness. No way. Yeah. I can't bad. stand it. It's bad. Yeah. You know, driving, you know, having to drive up 128 at five o'clock. Uh, uh, no. Oh. No. No, you, know, you learn you learn a lot of back roads really quick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Seriously. I, I you know, I used to I used to feel very similarly about Boston traffic, and I, I still really dislike Boston traffic. But the one thing that put that into perspective for me was uh when you went to LA. When I went to LA yeah. playing, <laughs> I, I had a show in LA and it was supposed to be a 20 minute drive from the rehearsal space to the gig venue. And, right. Uh, and as soon as I heard the GPS say merge onto 405, I was like, oh, we're going to be stuck for forever. <laughs> and sh it took three hours for what should oh have been a God. 20 minute drive. And oh I was like, God. you know what, Boston? Boston might not be that bad. I'll just get out and walk. <laughs> I'm not I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah I know. At, at some points in traffic here, you could just stop and have a picnic on the side of the road. Honestly. Yeah, <laughs> that hurts my soul. And what you mean? So deep level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're lucky uh, to be up there, right? <laughs> so I want to ask you: Is there ever been like um, a moment that like really surprised you, or something that like really hit you deep, like at a program that you're doing? 
because uh, I found like every now and again, I'll have a, a, a situation where like someone catches me completely off guard with a question. And after doing this for like 20 years or 15 years or however long I've been doing this, you know, I feel like I've heard most of the questions and every now and again, someone will throw one out and I'm like, I have no idea what the answer to that is. Um, I'm pretty well versed in, in, you know, even tigers, lions and, and stuff like that. I have a friend that owns a place out in Pennsylvania that is a ex-state trooper and, and they have tigers and stuff like that. And we helped them move them off the mountain. And wow. um, so I have a lot of experience in different animals and I don't think I've ever been really stumped, but mm-hmm. you know what, Rob, I wouldn't lie to anyone. If a child asked me a question that I didn't know, I would yeah. say, listen, uh-huh. I don't know. I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you this. I will get the answer for you because I will call an expert that knows more than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Give and get you the correct answer. I'm not going to stand there and, and give them a, a, a story, a, a yarn that yeah. they're not going to understand, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to go get them the answer and I'm going to email their mom back or I'm going to call that kid on the phone and say, this is what it is, buddy. I found so, out. Yeah. I found That's out awesome. this is what it is. Yeah. It's just not worth the, you know, the aggravation, but I'll tell you something really cool that really startled me. I've been doing this for so long, just before COVID started, I did a program for the state of Connecticut out in session woods, uh, Connecticut, which is way up in the North corner there, um, Northwestern corner. And, uh, that's their, their main, uh, where the biologists are and things like that. They have a really nice setup up there. And I'm I'm doing the thing and it's on venomous snakes. I'm talking about the venomous. And I got a rattlesnake on stage and I'm pulling him back with a stick and I'm playing back and forth. And there's a kid, not a kid, a, a, an adult walking back and forth in the back of the room. And he's caught my eye because he's going back and forth and back and forth and like he's nervous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, what is going on? You know? And mm-hmm. so I kept watching him out of the corner of my eye while I'm, while I'm talking about the snakes and I got done with the program, he comes up and he shakes my hand and says, Michael, I want to say thank you to you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, you don't remember me, but, and he shows me this picture of my red Jeep, him sitting on the hood of my red Jeep <laughs> um, with his mom there and sitting on the hood of my red Jeep. And he says, I am now the state biologist for the state of Connecticut. Wow. That and he That's lived here awesome. in Mass. When I did the show for him at four or five years old, they yep. lived here in Mass. And I, he said I was the inspiration, but I can't take credit for that. You know? <laughs> I, I just can't because that guy had to go through so many things, and and my animals probably did it for him, but not me. I just I'm not going to take that kind of credit. So, dude, but, you know what? You know, things like that. I've been doing this long enough where you know like you and and him and it's not the only one there are biologists out there that are biologists because we did programs for them and not just me my staff Mm -hmm. so it's rewarding in that aspect and that's the kind of thing that freaks me out (laughs) i don't don't usually get rattled on stage but yeah i remember 
when I well, uh, when I saw you in Maine, um, when you're coming up to to speak on their their law changes up there, right? You know, I was like, it had been a few years since I had seen you. You'll probably have several years since I had seen you. And I was like, yeah, I don't really remember, but like when you, I was like nine years old, you did a program for me. And then now we're both here talking to the legislature, trying to tell them to not ban <laughs> reptiles. We're, we're trying to, yeah, we're trying to save our, our, our you know, not, I'm going to say this and I don't really mean it this way, but we're trying to save our livelihoods. And is, that's, yeah. that's what drives these people crazy, that we're making a living doing what we love to do yeah. and educating kids. I don't look at it like that because. I don't live in a mansion. I live in an old camp. Uh, I, you know, I'm driving a truck with 574,000 miles on it. Woo! My wife is driving. Yeah, my wife is driving a, a, a Jeep Cherokee, a 97 Jeep Cherokee with 274,000 miles on it. Damn. We're not. We're not making any money. Everything yeah. I get, I pour back into my babies. Yeah. You know, right back into my animals. So. It's not like I'm not taking care of them, and that's what burns me about all this legislation and things like that. It's, it's yeah, they they are looking at like this small sector of people who who you know are not doing their due diligence, and then mm -hmm. they're you know the sites that they have set are going to ruin people's lives, like you and me, where yep. we yep. don't do we eat, sleep, and breathe educating the public and. Right. And pouring our passion out to other people to hopefully be able to change their minds if they're afraid of reptiles or to, you know, stoke that flame of younger people who are passionate about these or even interested in these animals to go beyond where they think they can go. Because, you know, if you had told me when I was 10 or 11 years old that, you know, one day I'm going to be working at New England Reptile and one of the only guys <laughs> on our venomous permit and I've fed a saltwater crocodile at Gatorland last year, I'd be like, what are you doing? talking about i just want a right. pet snake like i don't know what you <laughs> right right it, it never would have like i don't know if i would have registered as something that i would have been able to do um but through seeing you know educational programs like yours and other people's and you know reaching out to other people and learning from other people it really just you can see that fire burn in some people like i get some people who come to the shop and i can see that passion in yep. them even from like these five six seven year old kids yep. who you can tell in 10 years and 20 years they're gonna still be allowed to keep, yep. yeah they're gonna be doing what we're doing i'll be gone by then but they're gonna be doing <laughs> what we're doing so well i hope i'm not gone by then you but. won't be gone by then <laughs> yeah. come on you'll still be doing programs i'm telling I, you i i'm i'm gonna be in a walker out there i'll tell you <laughs> they're gonna have to wheel me in they'll wheel me in they'll put a microphone on me and throw the animal in my lap yeah they'll wrap, <laughs> they'll wrap the boa around the walker and then you walk around have the yeah. kids come out to the walker and pet it <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that'd yeah. be great i could see that That's it. do you have a 401k as an animal educator no i got this walker and i'm gonna put the bow on it <laughs> and and no the retirement plan. there you go right yeah yeah, yeah that's me sure. i yeah. feel like that's all of us right now yeah pretty much but honestly i want to see you rob when you're i'm not going to be around honestly but i want to see you like that in a walker doing that when you're that age so i hope so i hope yeah. i'll be able to do that because i think you both will so when when i 
get to, you know, I, I like doing programs where I get people who are afraid of reptiles or people who are, you know, kind of curious or whatever. Those programs are fun because I, I do like changing people's minds and, and getting people interested in reptiles who might not have thought about them as like pets before. Right. But every now and again, when you get that, you know, that kid who comes in, who's like, Oh my goodness. Like I literally have a kid locally who's like, no, it's about everything, like almost everything. When I, you know, he comes into the shop and we're talking about this and he asks about, oh, he's like under 10 years old. He's like, oh, you guys got the creep, yellowtail Kribos and the, the Batayas, uh, Carinata, <laughs> and you guys got the Spilotes, the Tiger Rat Snakes. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, it my goodness. It, it, it seriously blows my mind because like yeah. I probably knew about some of that stuff when I was his age, but the information was not out there like it is today. Like he can Google or, or watch our YouTube yeah. videos and see all these incredible animals from all around the world. And for me, it was like, I would take out a book from the library and just like thumb through it. And I was like, wow, I haven't seen that kind of snake before. I wonder what the <laughs> heck that is, <laughs> but it wasn't like, it's not like it is now or, you know, kids can learn about every single species under the sun. Like, yeah. you know, they discover a new species and then the next week that kid could read the article on, on his, you know, on his dashboard, on his computer. Right. Sure. I mean, I've, I've seen, I, I, I actually saw snakes recently that I've never seen before and in a book. And I'm thinking, I had no idea that thing even existed from right? New Guinea or someplace like that. And yep. I can't remember what it was, but I was like, Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Oh man, dude! I All love right, it. I want to take a quick pause. Oh yes, we got to run an ad break, break. real quick. Ad break. Okay, so go ahead. Ninety second ad 90 break. Ninety seconds. All right, and I'm gonna go put her tight. back in her cage. Cool. Perfect. Perfect. All right. We are super happy to announce our partnership with Oasis Exotic Enclosures, a new startup cage manufacturer based in California. Matt and Steph Conard have taken their time developing a wonderful quality product. The VS31 Enclosures, their flagship model, is 31 inches by 20 inches by 20 inches. It's perfect for many smaller species of colubrid, boa, python, or even some nocturnal lizards. Made with industrial-grade polyethylene plastic via in-house rotational molding, these cages have the strongest bonds in plastic manufacturing. Each enclosure has molded-in inverted handles on the sides, making moving from one place to another easier than ever. Each cage also has bolt-threaded inserts to allow you to connect cages vertically or secure them to a wall, creating impregnable security for that ever-growing collection. Also, a wonderful addition, the option to receive wall mounting brackets for your enclosure. That's right, you can attach this cage to any wall in your house at any height you desire. This wonderful patent pending adaptation provides you the ability to take that cage you have just placed on a table or on the floor up higher without wasting valuable floor space. This also allows you to no longer loom above your pet before entering the enclosure, which is often a high cause of stress. Matt and Steph have just begun their journey into cage manufacturing and have worked to put out a quality product at a comparable price to other companies in the industry. More innovations and designs are forthcoming, and we are excited to see Oasis Exotic Enclosures grow and develop. Please go check them out on Instagram, at Oasis Exotic Enclosures, and on the web at www.oasiscages.com. Boom. So uh, you can check out uh, all the links for Oasis Exotic Enclosures. Um, they'll be in the description of this YouTube video. And uh, if you're listening to the audio only version, um, they'll be available in, in the notes. description and the show notes. 
Damn. There's always more information. Oh, you're back. That's right. Hey, we're back. Sorry. What are, what are you holding? Uh, uh, this is a Burmese uh, Oh, it's one of no. Rob's favorite snakes. Hey, buddy, look at that. Look, dude, look at that. Look, oh look. no! <laughs> oh, um, you guys don't deserve it. Sorry. Oh <laughs> man. So, so there Rob and I, <laughs> Rob and I have have this thing. So Rob, Rob really loves Burmese pythons mm. so yeah. so much. So <laughs> we have this we have this understanding that if I because I own a few berms, so he's like, if you ever own more berms than you do bloods or short tails. We can't be friends we can't anymore. Be friends anymore. So, <laughs> so I so he, and and he's silently been giving me flack because on my Instagram I've been doing some some berm, some berm appreciation posts and posting some pictures of my berms and uh, somebody just tagged him in a comment and was like, "Oh, I bet Rob is loving all oh, this berm berms. content." And I was like, "You don't understand. If I don't do a blood and short tail appreciation post after this, he's gonna hate me. We're gonna have words. <laughs> We're gonna have words." <laughs> So, so here's the deal. Bob, do you really do you really like berms, or is this a this a this is sarcasm? Yeah. I, oh, I okay. big sarcasm. Like yeah. Sorry, so, yeah. So here's the deal. <laughs> I I like berms for education because they're like the uh, Microsoft screensaver. They just have one brain cell that's like bing, <laughs> bing, bing, bing. So you can hand them to like a whole group of people, and they're like, they don't care at all. It's absolutely true. You're but, right. but I yeah. will. I don't personally keep berms. I will never keep berms. They're just not my jam. Oh my god! Oh, come I on! I, like I programs. said, you don't have to keep berms because I have retics here for you. Oh, That's no. there you I'm go, call, buddy. I, I'm calling you. Hey, Jeremy. After this, text me uh, his girlfriend's number. Okay, uh, I got you. I I have <laughs> so many berms. retics. I have a. Uh, I think it's a golden child. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not good with morphs. I'm not a morph yeah. person. Uh, as yeah. a herpetologist, I like that natural animal. Mm -hmm. But you know, I know some of them. But I think this is a golden child. And then I have a a, a retic that's all uh, olive color, just beautiful one color. Um, they both need to go, Rob. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a lot of snake poop that's right there. <laughs> and I know that's what you, when you look at a big berm or a big retic, I just think, oh man, when they poop, get the <laughs> shovel oh ready. <laughs> you know, we have probably, I don't know, probably 15 large animals like that. Yeah. And nowhere near what nerd has, of course, but uh, it's, it's a, it's a under, it's a task taking when we have to clean them. It's, yeah. you know, just it's, taking them out and uh, you got to soak them. You got to take uh, care of them. You got to make sure they're shedding properly. You got to make yeah. sure, you know, they're healthy. Um, so it's, it's work. It really is. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I think that one of the, the things in the hobby that, that people don't get, like a lot of people, when they get a reticulated Python or even a Burmese Python, people get them when they're like this big, when they're like a little itty bitty baby. And they're like, wow, I really like this snake. It's very interesting. And then they get 10 more. And I'm like, you haven't even raised one yet. You don't know what yeah. it's like to take out a, <laughs> you know, 13 right. foot long, 80 pound snake that right. is going to buck you. And like when it yep. poops, it's like, you know, a big, big baby in the cage. It's just... <laughs> It's I, just I, 
I love reticulated pythons and, and berms, but I'll tell you, I had a ber uh, reticulated python in here. Uh, uh, it was a Siloace. Does that sound oh, correct? Yeah, Siloace, yeah. yeah. The big it was from the University of Massachusetts from Al Richmond. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I gave it to a zoo, but I'll tell you what, that animal got loose one day, mm -hmm. got in the back of the shop, went up on the shelf, and it, and oh. they, it, the two guys that were handling it, it got away, went up on the shelf, and this animal was lightning fast. Never, Al never had anybody handle it. It was lightning fast, 15 yeah. feet long, the skinniest, skinniest thing you've ever seen, you know, just lightning going across the floor and then onto the shelf. Ooh. And then one of my guys is standing there going like, how are we going to get him down? I'm like, we're going <laughs> to up there and grab him. Yeah. So and he's like, no, climbing? this is not what I no. signed up for. No, what you got to do is They're call Al and be like, hey, dude. Who's going to climb up there? All right, I'll do it. <laughs> so I climb, I climb up on the ladder and the animal sticks his head out, looks at me and punches me oh. as hard as it can. <laughs> right in the arm. I put my arm like this because we're gonna hit me in the face. Yeah. Hit me in the arm right here. Took a chunk out of my arm. And I was like, okay, this oh, it's gotta go. Get it yeah, out of here. It's gotta go. And I That's... like retics. Retics are some they're the smartest snakes there are. I I don't know how you feel about that, but they're uh, so Rob, Rob has his reservations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, if, if I just... had that experience with Al's snake, I would have been right on the phone with Al and be like, listen, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta talk yeah, real quick, bud. <laughs> he was re he was retiring. There was no choice there. Uh, <laughs> fair, that's yeah, fair enough. There was nobody at the university to take care of the animals anymore. So yeah, um, you know, it was just. I mean, we got a lot of cool stuff, but it was that one animal kind of. I still think about that retic, and and you know, I, I go up, I go up to your place, and I see retics up there, and they're like, not that bad. <laughs> No, <laughs> no. And I have I have a few here that are really nice animals, really beautiful, mm -hmm. intelligent yeah. creatures. But man, I never want to deal with another snake like that. I'd rather deal with a mamba. Oh man. Oh, sheesh. Honestly. See, I have not worked with mambas before. Um and you I know what? I haven't been super thrilled. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not very interested <laughs> in working with them personally. Oh. Um, the only reason I would want to work with one is just to get a feel for how they move. Um, but I feel like I've worked enough fast arboreal snakes that, uh, you know, I know that they're going to be faster and, and worse than those. Well, if you can imagine someone shooting an arrow out of a bow, mm -hmm. that's what you're looking at. Yeah. And with shooting on the end. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. The, Ugh. the, uh, that animal coming out of the cage like a rocket and yeah. you can't you can't you know a lot of times professionally we'll tail the animals we'll pick them up with a hook and tail the animal with our hands yeah mm -hmm. you know we're not free handling but we're we're doing a manipulating proper yeah. handling how to handle that animal and you can control him that way yeah you can't do that with a mamba you need no. two sticks you need a pair of tongs it, it's it, it depends on the animal but the two green i've had two uh west african greens they are the worst uh, honestly i've handled blacks i've handled the others uh, i've never handled a jameson but i 
I'll give this to you, Rob. I'll bring it right up. No, to no, you. no, 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 no. That's not what I was saying. <laughs> I think they're. I think the westerns are gorgeous. Like I like the westerns and the Jamesons way better than I like the easterns. Yeah, the uh, easterns just, are just. They're like a green grass snake. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's like yeah. Ah, yeah. There's so many green, all green snakes, and then the yeah, westerns. Don't and the kill Jamesons, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the westerns and the Jamesons with that like netting down the body. I think right. that looks yeah. really. You want to hear a cool story? Yes. So back in the day, this was probably in uh, the early 2000s. Mm. And uh, we're working for Petco, doing programming for Petco and stuff, which they've stopped all that stuff now. But um, when they were big into education. So I'm in the Petco in uh, uh, Danbury, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. It's a very busy store. And back then, that's when Midwest was in business. Oh, yeah. Midwest Um, Tongs. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not Midwest Tongs. Midwest uh reptiles or something like that okay um but it was out west somewhere out there yeah Um, ohio kansas one of those places Mm -hmm. and they had shipped a bunch of african house snakes to this petco oh yeah yeah you know where i'm going with this the the manager is a, a reptile guy he loves animals doing it does a great did a great job with them and so he's taking these house snakes out and he looks at the one and he's like, oh. and so they used to feed live back then when they were closed, they wouldn't feed, um, you know, dead, um, frozen dead. So, yeah. Yeah, they just fed live. And so he threw a mouse in with it and the snake, one of the snakes bit this mouse and it died within seconds. Oh, so we need to clench up a called, little. he calls me on the phone. And he says, what do you think? I said, send me a picture. It's a baby boom slang. Wow. Oh, shit. Shipped in as an African house snake. And it passed right by everybody. They never even saw it. And oh, my God. Got delivered to the Petco. Yep. Imagine someone taking that home and they're like, no. This snake is really weird. <laughs> yeah. Imagine yeah. my, the corner of my eyes bleeding. Is this yeah, normal? Is this normal? <laughs> <laughs> What's the blood coming out of your ear? Ears, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. That, yeah. that can't be normal. The eye that happens sometimes with the ears. Yeah. I don't ever have that happen. <laughs> yeah. That, oh my was, gosh. Uh, that was, I mean, I, I, you know, someday I should sit down and write all this stuff down. Uh, it's, it's, there's so many stories and so many incredible experiences and, this is what's in store for educators and people who are educated by us. And it's so important to do this stuff, you know, always do this stuff. Never let it go. Yeah. Yeah, That's why I'm really glad that we're doing the podcast. It gives us an opportunity to kind of document a little bit of uh, some of the stories that, you know, not just me and Jeremy have, but some of the other people who we have on as well, you know, because, you know, I know that you've got a plethora of stories. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, I could go on and on all night. Believe me, we could fill an hour with just stories. <laughs> you know, from being at the alligator farm, where you know back then, you know, it was just Jim Darlington, I, and Greg, and and uh, and and one other person, and uh, Lynn Kirkland, and we didn't shift animals out of their enclosures to clean them. Oh no, you just you know, Orinoco yeah, crocodiles, Nile oh, wow. crocodiles, you know, Gomac, uh, you know, the oh. big salty. Mm-hmm. We didn't shift animals, Garrels. <laughs> we didn't shift animals into a, a separate area. We went in with them, and we were careful. Yeah. And 
you know, that's how we did it back then. And, and man, I think about that. I'm, I'm lucky I'm still here, honestly. <laughs> it's, uh, it was, it, it's kept me young, believe me. <laughs> I, I feel imagine. that. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I remember coming to Nerd back in the day and some of the wild things that would happen in Nerd. And I was Bruh. like, is this really happening Bruh. right now? <laughs> yeah, when they were in the old facility. Yeah, I can. I, I remember that way back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Good times. No, but this, the stories, man, I, I, I feel like the stories, it, they offer another level of, of education. Yes. You know, right, especially, right. especially to those who are already kind of invested in the hobby or like they're like, you know, I think snakes are cool and, you know, whatever. And they want to learn a little bit more. Of course, you can <clears throat> now you can watch YouTube videos and, and all this other stuff. But to get a chance to listen to somebody who has decades of experience, especially when, you know, protocol or, or ideas of keeping that we have now didn't exist and right. hearing what that was like then, mm-hmm. you know, give, I think gives can give people a whole different. It was a wild on, Yeah, you know, and, and I think that's like I know for me, one of my favorite things coming, you know, coming up was like getting the chance to just eavesdrop on some stories or just be able to sit at a table with some guys who have been doing it for a long time. And then you'd right. be like, Oh man, that sounds really cool. You know? Mm-hmm. Or then like at some point I have a reference to go back to and be like, Hey, I heard you talking about this ridiculously scary, not safe thing that you were doing. Can we talk more about that? <laughs> I still do that. I hide around the tables at a conference or something. I'll hide around and I'll listen. And yeah. I still do that. So yeah, but, man, it's, but yeah, it's so funny. It, it's fun to relate the stories that I have, and the more I think about it, the more I think that was just crazy. It yeah. was <laughs> just, you know, and 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 people who are listening out there, you know, they say, "Well, you're talking about education." Yeah, that was my education. It was it was old school education when we didn't know anything about yeah. anything. Right. You right. know, we didn't know there were you know, over 30 species of crocodiles, we thought there were 23 and mm-hmm. genetics weren't even in play then. So things like that really hit home, you know, talking to you guys, that hits home to me because it's not something that I ever thought about. It's not something I think about a lot. So, right. Yeah. People always ask me, they're like, you just know so much. What school did you go to to learn these things? And I'm like, I, didn't, I, I dropped out of college. I don't know. I yeah. just, <laughs> it, it, it's I, life, so Rob. Yeah. You know, it's life. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the experiences you get in just working in that facility you're in are unbelievable. You can't go anywhere. You can't go to a zoo and get that experience. No. Yeah, There's no way. Yeah. You know, working with crocodile monitors and water monitors and, and all you know, crocodilians and venomous snakes and different stuff like that, big retics and big berms and all the other stuff, the ball pythons, you can't get that experience anywhere. No, yeah. no, especially like AZA zoos where they won't even let you touch the animals. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've learned right. Everything so much. Off. Right. Yeah, I've learned so much just being able to get hands on with the amount of animals that I've, I've been able to get hands on with working through a nerd. You know, I'm so grateful for that because like mm-hmm. back in the day when I used to volunteer when I was like 18, 19, 20, you know, I showed them that I, I knew a lot about reptiles but um, what 
what really bumped it up to the next level is they were like, okay, well, you know something, you know some stuff. Now let's do some stuff. And they threw me in with some of the guys who were doing the big reticulated pythons and the the big boas that they had. And then a couple times they would throw me in to do colubrids and ball pythons and just being able to get hands on and watch how these guys handle wild caught retics and watch how these guys are dealing with you know, this animal that's very scared of them and and how they uh, you know, work their way around it. And then watching Kevin and how he works with the water monitors, you know, they, there's no way you would ever learn that from a book or from a no. zoo. It's just no, not skill, happening. Skill like that is not taught. It's learned. And, exactly. Yeah. And Kevin's one of the best at genetics that I know. You know, he handles animals as good as well as good as anyone out there mm-hmm. so it, it's really fascinating you know we're lucky to live here in new england and have that facility so up here, our facility here it's it's really we're really lucky yeah so, i definitely need yeah. to come down and check out your place because i, I want not you even been there. Yeah, like... i would love to have you come <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome and, and see everything yeah because you know it's it's you know it's never a dull moment here <laughs> as it is up there i know it's never a dull moment you know yeah, so, yeah. i know it's completely different businesses but it's still not it's never a dull moment no yeah i don't think it can ever be a dull moment when you're working with ridiculous animals yeah when it comes to exotics <laughs> man i saw tiger yeah. king everything's crazy yeah. like <laughs> oh tiger king i you know i i, I at first came out i turned it off yep. i could not i was yeah. like I know Doc Ansel. I know the woman. Yep. You know, I've met them both. I didn't know the guy in Oklahoma, but yeah. I was like, I can't even watch this. And yeah. then Crutchfield was on it too. And in the yeah, first five yeah, minutes, the first, I know, five the first five minutes he's on it. I'm like, what the hell and is you're like, this? You're like, we, oh, great. Oh, had, great. We just got <laughs> back I, from Tom Crutchfield's place like three weeks before this came out. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So we were and like, we were like, we, were we just, just saw that. We guy. were just there. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, and it, I mean, I just, I think I watched ten minutes of it, the first ten or fifteen minutes of it, and turned it off and left it. And then people started talking about it, and I'm like, you know, I gotta watch it. I gotta so, just know. Yeah. So I went back and watched it, and I was like, oh. ah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This this one is freaking messaging me about. It. He's like, "Did you watch Tiger King yet?" I'm like, "No, man. I, you know, I don't." He's like, "You have to watch Tiger King." So I went over at you like came over at nine like 9, PM. nine p.m. Oh right? Because they're like, just when you think it doesn't get any more white and redneck, yeah, it, <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my gosh, okay." So I watched the first episode. I couldn't stop watching. I binged the whole thing until that like night until like three or four in the morning. Yeah, oh watched it all. I was oh, I glued it. to it because it was it was really? literally like, oh, I can't get any more crazy than that. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it can. Yeah. And it did. Oh, it did. Yeah, a hundred percent. I've heard yeah. that they're in talks to put out a show called Cobra King, which should be coming to Netflix shortly. Who was doing that? Uh, it's already been filmed quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know who's all. I don't know it, everyone who's in it, but I've I know a few of the names who have who have said that they have been recording with Netflix to do that. So, do you think that's going to be a good thing or a bad? Thing? Oh, it's going to be horrible. It's going to yeah, be, it's gonna be really gnarly for the hobby. Like I don't see how <laughs> it could possibly be good. How are we going to survive that? I mean, you know, the thing is, so here's the deal that with, with Tiger King, one of the things that I noticed was that 
I was like, cause when it came out, I did watch the whole thing and then I watched it again. Um, the first time just to like see what the heck everyone was talking about. And the second time to really see how the editors put everything together and how they kind of spun the story to make it interesting for people. Sure. And the weeks following that coming out, the people who were involved in Tiger King uh, really just shut up. They didn't say anything. There was not really anyone coming out and saying anything. And, and not just the people who were involved in the documentary, but the other people in the big cat industry mm -hmm. uh, were not really getting out there and being like, hey, look, we're not all crazy. We're not all, you know, we're not trying to abuse animals. We just really love these animals and not getting out there and, and talking about it. I think that the, the way that the reptile hobby could kind of curb that is we have enough people that have decent platforms if we get out there and say, hey, look, the reptile hobby is growing exponentially every single year. You know, right. you might see some people who free handle cobras and some people who, you know, smuggle stuff and, and this, that, and the other thing. But that's not all. That's not all the people who keep reptiles. There's lots of people who have a pet bearded dragon. There's a lot of kids who have leopard geckos. There's a couple of kids who, you know, have got two ball pythons and they want to breed their ball pythons or, or corn snakes and they just love their pet corn snake. It's not. You know, the one thing that the, the big cat people uh, don't have that the reptile industry does have is that um, not as many younger people are thoroughly involved with the big cats. It's just because yep. it's not safe for younger people to really do that. Sure. Um, whereas we have the added bonus of kids can have a, a leopard gecko or a crested gecko or right. a ball python or a corn snake or, you know, some sort of other lizard or, you know, a chameleon or whatever. And it's not, you know, I'm using air quotes here, dangerous uh, to, to the right. people. And if they spin this as, you know, Oh, everyone just wants to keep venomous and giant snakes and blah 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 that's, that's not, not the true. whole reptile hobby and well, if yeah. we can get out there and say hey look you know this is a tv show for entertainment it's not the reality of what most people are doing in their homes mm -hmm. uh you know you have to realize that this is not everyone who keeps reptiles uh i think that it could be pushed in a a more positive direction this is me trying to be optimistic um but i think that i don't see how it could be you know a good thing. A good thing for the reptile hobby, honestly. Just, yeah. just. I mean, I'm worried about it. I, I'm going to be optimistic, um, yeah. but I am extremely worried about it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to lose what we do. We do too much good for you know the habitats and environment and and the kids and the families that watch us and and all of that. You know, mm -hmm. we, we're all in this together. We have to fight together. You know. We have to come together as one and fight this thing because otherwise no one's going to be able to own a hamster, a gerbil, a fish, and a fish tank, for God's sake. Because yep. yeah, they're not yeah. just after us. They're yeah. after everything. And That's, that is where people do not look. They don't exactly. feel like They don't want any animals in any situations, dogs or cats. Yeah, right. No? Literally nothing. Yeah, I, I tell it to people all, all the time when – uh, I've had, I've had a couple couple ranty videos on my Instagram about legislation and stuff just cuz you know people fail to realize like it's really easy to make a snake seem like the boogeyman right and you know this yep. evil creature because it's a snake and Most people don't have experience with a snake yeah but and everything you see on TV is man eating giant <laughs> monsters and blah 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 you know so that's all 
that's this all you're ever gonna fed. swallow this guy on animal planet yeah oh you know and that's goodness. all that's all you're fed you know so there, there's nothing nothing necessarily to combat that unless you're out right. there doing some digging for it you right. know burmese um, pythons are overrunning florida no they're not yeah. are they a problem yes are they overrunning no no right and, you know just and the U.S. Geological like that. Survey that said that they can live all the way up into Washington D.C. Oh my God, they're coming to your backyard. Yeah, wasn't it, yeah, was it? I thought it was Pennsylvania, but Washington yeah. D.C. That's still that's still far fetched. I mean, yeah. that animal. I have Burmese pythons that get sick if it's fifty degrees, for God's sake. Yeah, yep. <laughs> they get sick if it's seventy five. Yeah, yeah. they yeah, exactly. got a cold. They're blowing snot. I'm like, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yep. No, it's it, it really is it really is crazy, you know. But but yeah, I, I don't think enough people understand that the forces that we're up against, you know, when it comes to the anti-pet movement are just right, and you're, you know the main the main people driving it is HSUS. HSUS is the largest, mm-hmm. the largest nonprofit company in the world. Notice mm-hmm. I didn't say government organization because. Mm-hmm. They are not a government organization. They are a nonprofit. And yep. I mean, look at the the guy who ran it. I mean, he, he went to jail didn't he? Yep. for for something. I, he was up, I would know that he was um he was up to he had charges pressed against him. Right. Um the 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 what was I gonna say? Oh, when we just recently were able to speak at the Zoom meetings for Florida, because uh, Florida was talking about banning tegus and iguanas, right. yep. and um, I was able to talk on there, and I did. You know, I was like, "Look, you guys need to make sure that you're not getting things that are backed by HSUS because they are they are literally not saving animals. They're not. They don't care about the animals. They want to ban people's interactions with animals. And if you check out places like HumaneWatch.org, you know they're watching where the funds for HSUS goes, and it's it's petitioning, it's lobbying, it's not going to your right. local shelter, it's not going to saving animals' lives. Well, right not- here in Massachusetts, they cut off the the Cape Wildlife Center. They cut yeah. them off completely. Mm-hmm. You know, they were supported by HSUS. I, I don't I don't know how much a percentage they got from them, but they mm-hmm. cut all of that support out. Everything goes to lobbying, like you said. Yeah. 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 And their salaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. hundred so, percent. Yep. Yeah, it really is. It, it really is ridiculous. And, and again, I just think that's that's the biggest point that we all need to continuously drive home is like, man, they're going to pick the low hanging fruit first. And that's that's the reptiles, right? You know, that's the evil, evil reptile, the evil snake from down the street, you know. But, you know, when it when it suddenly is targeted at little Johnny's hamster, you know, it's gonna what, be, what are you going to do? It's coming. What do you, exactly? Exactly. I mean, and we saw it with um, H.R. 669 back mm-hmm. in the day when it was like, like we're talking about anything non-native quote-unquote exotic anything yeah. that's not native plants, to the US. fish mammals fish, birds and it ferrets, was it's hamsters it was i think pigs. one of the few times that the entire pet industry came together came together you know because it, right. it's it for the most part it's pretty niche and click you know based you know you've got your reptile sure. people your mammal people your this or that yeah. you know yeah. um and it was like that one time where we were like oh shit this is real yeah like this yep. is unfortunately crazy real and after after that got squashed it's been like this slow steady creep to be like okay well let's see if we can take that if we can take that right now then we're just gonna do that 
and we're going to put that in the back pocket and then we're going to try a little bit later to go for the next thing and then see what we can do from there you know it's it's what it is i just you know i'm gonna fight it until the day i i expire but it's one of those things that you know we have to live with and and, you know if there's bad plumbers out there there's bad mechanics there's bad everything you know each industry has its bad things and i don't think they think about that Um, yeah i really don't think they think about oh yeah i didn't get my car repaired correctly and 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 it's a little different because there is a life involved in it, you know, a snake or a reptile or a dog or cat or whatever. But still, it's not that much different than, yeah. you know, there are people that are not going to do it correctly and the husbandry is going to be way bad. So, yep, 100%. Let's not Unfortunately, end up this true. Yeah, for real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we always ask one question right at the end to, uh, to kind of, you know, end things on a positive note. And we ask all of our guests who are on reptile talk, this one very important question. Um, and that is, um, in the realm of reptiles, whether it be something that you're doing with your collection, uh, something that you've seen someone else doing on the internet, cause you know, scrolling on Instagram, looking on Facebook, seeing all these people that are doing these incredible things, um, or, or, or otherwise, what is something that is in the realm of reptiles that's got you excited about reptiles right now. Everything. <laughs> Every animal out there, Rob, from the Burmese python to the leopard gecko. And you know what? To toke geckos, to to the endangered stuff like the indigo, the venomous stuff. Everything. Yeah, I'm always excited about animals, period. I mean, there's not just one thing. It's everything. And I don't think a lot of people think about how lucky. I I mean, I consider myself one of the luckiest people in the world to be able to do what I do and to be able to have worked with all these crocodilians and, and, and animals like this. It's just, I have to say everything, although I do have my favorites, of course, (laughs) I have to say everything. It's just, it encompasses everything. And educating kids, there is no better feeling in in your gut when you walk away from a show and that kid, that mom writes you back five or six days afterwards and says, they're still talking about that snake or that alligator (laughs) or or leopard gecko, whatever it might have been, you know? And spiders. You can keep your spiders, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you something really quick. Working for the alligator farm for years, we'd have to clear the fences, right? Go through around the perimeter fences and look. And the golden silk spiders would, their orb weaving spider, golden silk spiders. And they're about as big as your thumb. And they would, with these big spindly legs, and they'd make these golden nests and the, between the trees and the fence. And you take a bamboo pole and just kind of wind them up right. in there. And as you're going, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you're going down through looking at the fence, they're dropping on you and kind of nipping at you. Uh, uh, all over you. You keep your spiders, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Rep, reptile man is not doing spiders. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's too good you know what i'm gonna have to come bring some spiders down there we're gonna have to change your mind that's all I, that's all it has to come down to <laughs> no <laughs> let me just say this again no <laughs> oh man you, know, you and i have a mutual we have a mutual friend alan both yes oh, i yeah. love alan that son of a gun. <laughs> One day, I don't know where we were. We were at a show somewhere, a pet expo somewhere in Pennsylvania or New York. One of those. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's got his animals out and he's trading them and doing stuff. And he takes this pink toed tarantula out and he throws it. I don't know, probably four or five feet. Where does it land? Right on you. On you. Michael's chest. <laughs> <laughs> runs. Runs. Up my up my face, over my face, onto my head, and I'm freaking out. <laughs> I mean, I just you know I love all animals, but I can spiders leave a little less. <laughs> oh my so, goodness, that's great, yeah. dude. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Mike, if people want to find out more about the work that you're doing with uh, Rainforest Reptiles or with RRS Oasis, uh, where should they go to find you? Where should they go find out more? Well, they can call us at 978-922-5107, or they can join us on uh, you know social media, Rainforest Reptile Shows and RRS Oasis. Both have Facebook pages. We're on Instagram at Rainforest Reptile shows oasis something like that I, mm -hmm. sorry I'm if you search it you'll find it trust me yeah but i'll w make sure w it's w in the link w too yeah www.rainforestreptileshows.com and that has our nonprofit oasis on it and we started the nonprofit because we had so many animals coming in that we had to get help you know joni and i funded this for years and years by ourselves so we had to have that help from the nonprofit you know, grants and, and things like that to help. And, you know, we have so many great people like the Blairs, Kat and Mike Blair and their kids and, and Kristen who works for me. Um, you know, we have so many great supporters, the new England herpological society, um, you know, and Dan Rowe and those guys just, you know, unbelievable support that we get from these people and organizations. So That's we awesome. really appreciate it all. That's so sweet. Amazing. And it has been awesome talking to you this Hell evening. Yeah, I'm man. so pumped Thanks, that we man. finally made it happen. We're going to have to have you on again because I feel like I got a lot more stories uh, to, to dig oh, up yeah. from you. <laughs> I, I still want to bring a forest cover into the studio. So. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> that'd be pretty awesome. I'm just I'm just saying, though, after this last this last spider story. I think I think we need to have Alan and Mike on at the same time. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm here for it. I feel like we should do that yeah, in that's, person. Uh, though. That's yeah, fun. that would be that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, man. Oh, so thank you so much for coming on man yes, we love you, you. love the work that you're doing thank you so much like i said we're gonna have to have you on sometime again soon yeah you guys keep up the great work thank you so much for having me i appreciate it we're trying thank okay you. have a nice night man right. you too take care bye